you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the New Year rush because I think it gets, gets people off their asses, right? Like they're like, yeah. okay, let's do this. And I'm a big fan. Um, what I'm not a fan of is the tail off and, and you know, like the trending down. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. This is episode 182 of the Dying to Ask podcast. We're continuing with our health and wellness series for January and February with a not so crash course on how we can stick with our fitness goals for 2023. It's always kind of driven me crazy that the big self-help guru types that you see on places like Instagram are able to fill convention centers and sell online courses and have, you know, a million TikTok followers when basically what they do is they tell people to drink a lot of water and to get out and move their body every day. I mean, common sense, right? Well, maybe, maybe not, because they're making a lot of money. They're getting a lot of attention by telling you some really basic things. That common sense start is really what you do need. If you want to go after goals and be your best self, you've got to be feeling healthy. And the bottom line is you've got to take care of yourself. I'm more of the long-term, let's do this for, you know, eternity. Let's see, where do you want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What do you want to be capable of doing? Here's the thing. It's February. And right now, the statistics show that 80% of people who started this year saying, I am getting in shape, are back on the couch. Unless, of course, you're my sister. Do the math. How many days now have you done this? Okay, I, I, I did the math. It Today was 1,040. My sister Siobhan started running three miles every single day at the start of the pandemic. I am guessing 3,400 miles. And she never stopped. Since that day, she never stopped. But why is committing to fitness, which, by the way, is, you know, committing to yourself, just so hard sometimes? I mean, I love running. Running's not hard for me to do. But other things that are fitness adjacent, like stretching, not so much. So this year... I set a goal, totally unrealistic as it turns out, to do yoga every day this year. I haven't been able to comfortably touch my toes since high school. My high school drill team teacher used to make a stretch by sitting in the splits for half an hour every night. I'm not making that up. So Texas. Um, that was what I did. I did my homework while sitting in the splits. I was super flexible back then. That might be why I stopped stretching after graduation. But I'm a runner, so I'm also just kind of tight. So I was on a plane writing out some goals for 2023. This was on New Year's Eve. And I actually wrote down, do yoga every single day, even a few minutes. And I thought, I'll do YouTube videos or something. 10 minutes a day, how hard could that be? I made it a week, one week. Why? It just wasn't realistic. I totally overshot the goal. Not realistic for me because I didn't care enough to really follow through on it. And I'm not alone. The most common New Year's resolution is get in shape, get healthy. In fact, the research is out from the University of Scranton, and it proves 80% of us have given up on a New Year's fitness resolution by today, by the beginning of February. Eight out of 10. Well, why is that? Big reason is something called keystone habits. Have you heard of these? So keystone habits are things that we do without telling ourselves to do them. They're automatic. They are our keystones. So for example... On the weekends, I get out of bed. The first thing I do when I get out of bed, assuming my husband's out of bed, is I make the bed right away. That is my habit. I get home from work. The first thing that I do is I wash my face of all that TV makeup and I put on my workout clothes. Clearly, it's not doing much for the yoga. I floss my teeth right before I put lipstick on at work in the morning. And that makes sure that I floss every day. That's how I know that I've flossed every single day is because I've attached it to that habit. So 
It's kind of like putting your life on autopilot. Keystone, positive things. However, comma, they can be negative as well. So let's say hypothetically, your kid walks in from school. The first thing you do is ask about homework, and it sets off an argument every single day. Hypothetically, of course, that would be a negative keystone habit. So how do you get your keystones to be positive, specifically when it comes to your fitness and your health, which of course will impact every part of your life? That is what we're talking about today. And I have three great experts who are joining us on today's show as we outline four ways to make your fitness stick. So first, I'm going to talk about an organizational hack that I do to make sure that I eliminate any excuse to work out. Tyron Litch Texador, a trainer who has been on this show before, is going to explain to you why you are nothing without a plan. Meteorologist Tamara Berg, CrossFit, changed her body and her mind, and she does does something almost every single time she works out that she says makes her accountable to herself. And then my sister, the crazy runner, see, I'm not the crazy runner in my family anymore. I love that. My sister is back on the show and she is going to talk about how she was able to keep this running streak going and what she's planning on doing to actually end it. Because at some point, (laughs) even she admits she's got to bring it to an end. Now, a heads up, this episode is way longer than our normal length. There is so much good information in here. So here's my challenge to you. If you're trying to, to work out a little bit more, why don't you listen to this show while you're moving? While you're moving your body, while you're out for a walk, listen to this, and I guarantee you, it is going to motivate you. How to make your fitness habits stick is what we're talking about on this week's Dying to Ask podcast. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask. All right, four ways to make your fitness habit stick. I'm going to offer up the first tip. So my first tip is dress for success. As they say, clothes do make the man or the woman or certainly set you up to get your workout done. I am a big fan of leaving your clothes out the day before, sometimes even the week before so that you don't have to think about it. To me, this is one of those easy button auto things. So for example, on a Sunday, I will lay out five dresses that I plan on wearing to work that week. They don't necessarily have to be worn, you know, in the the order that I lay them out. But I've got five options so that literally at O-Dark 30, I just reach in, I grab something, and I'm off to work. I actually do the same thing with my workout stuff. So I will pair a t-shirt, shorts, socks, shoes, slip them into a bag if I'm doing a workout right after work. I've got all that stuff ready to go so I do not have to think about it because thinking kind of kills your momentum for a lot of things. Sometimes just do, don't think. So when it comes to your exercise, your workouts, if you are getting up and you are going on a 6 a.m. walk or run with a friend, lay those clothes out the night before. Your future self will thank you. And then another thing I like to do is when I get a new pair of running shoes, I like to take the ones that I am no longer going to be wearing, the older shoes, and I will leave them in the back of the car with shorts and a t-shirt and whatever else I might need to do a workout, like stuff that I don't like wearing, an outfit that's not my favorite. I'll just leave it back there 
just in case an opportunity presents itself to go get a little bit of exercise on the fly. So if hypothetically, and I don't know that this has ever happened, I show up early for school pickup and I have a half an hour, I could change real quick, do a Superman change in a Starbucks bathroom, and I could get maybe a 20-minute run, which is such a great reset on the day and only possible if I had those clothes ready to go. What else would I be doing? I'd be sitting in the car, probably eating some Twizzlers and scrolling my phone. I don't need any more thumb aerobics, trust me. So leave some clothes in the back of your car, but more importantly, plan out what you're going to wear for that workout the next day, the night before. So set yourself up for success. And here's one other one. I was on a podcast recently with Amy Schmidt on the Better Than Gossip podcast. She was doing a whole series on things she was looking to improve on. And one of the things she wanted to do was start running again. She, her background is swimming, but she wanted to start running again. And so she had me on to talk about a couple of ways to start a running program. And one of the things I suggested to her was get some new shoes. I am a huge fan of treating yourself to some nice new shoes and maybe a cute outfit. This is so girl, I know to start out your workout program because it is kind of motivating. When you feel good, you feel like you want to perform as well. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but if you um, have some old shoes, you may find that you get injured quicker. And the first thing that's going to derail your new workout program, the new you, is pain and injury. So if you can avoid it by having a solid pair of shoes, you do not have to spend a lot of money, by the way. You can... um, go ahead and, you know, set yourself up for some success. And here's one little pro gamer tip, as my kids would say. If you go on to, say, a running company's website, they almost always, at the far right part of their their um, website, have a sale area, and that's where they'll sell the previous model's shoes. And you can usually get them for at least 40% off. So that's a good place to save money if you don't feel like you have to have the latest and the greatest. So step one is dress for success. Next up, we're going to be talking about the importance of having a plan. And I'm excited to have Ty Renlich-Texador, a trainer who has been on the show before. She runs EVO um, Training Collective in Sacramento. She's a CrossFitter. She has this huge online presence on Instagram. And her true love is teaching people why and preventing injury by doing things correctly. So Ty is joining us today because She is big this time of the year. I'm making sure that her clients and her community know that you got to write this stuff down and you better have a plan if you want to be successful. Ty, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Appreciate it. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. I love it. I love our chats. They're great. I love chatting too. And when I when I sent you a message and I said, what do you think is like the key to forming a fitness habit? Boy, did you jump on it fast. (laughs) I'm like, I got thoughts. Oh, you got it. (laughs) I would imagine as a, somebody who's in the fitness industry, this is like your go time. This is your go time of the year, at least the last month has been. And now you've got to be getting into kind of the, I don't want to say nagging phase of the year, but the following up on, are you really committing to your fitness goals? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the new year rush because I think it gets, gets people off their asses, right? Like they're like, okay, let's do this. And I'm a big fan. Um, what I'm not a fan of is the tail off and, and, you know, like the trending down, or obviously I deal with injuries. So people doing too much too soon and not, not really giving their bodies a chance to ramp up. So, um, you know, me, I mean, I'm more of the long-term let's do this for, you know, eternity. Let's see, where do you want to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What do you want to be capable of doing? And so, 
this new year rush while it gets more people in the door and it gets them active absolutely let's do it but what's the plan for february march september 2024 2020 2030 you know that's that's more what i'm interested in so is that the problem is that people they they have great intentions you get started but they don't really have a plan on how they're going to execute it is that why we tend to fall into that that statistic of 80 percent of the people drop off by february 100%. I think it's it's twofold. I think people enter into challenges or I want this result in 6 week or 6 weeks or this person promised me 10 pounds in 10 days. Which on the one hand I'm like okay, I think it's I think it's a lofty promise and I think it's kind of gets you in for the wrong reasons, but if it gets you in it gets you in absolutely. Let's roll with it. But what I don't like is people not having a plan for after those challenges or after that 10 days. Um, so if you're going to enter into those things, my advice is to just make sure that before you start, you have an idea of what your plan is going to be after so that you can transition directly into that. And you're not left grasping for like, well, what's next, you know, like don't enter that thing if you don't have a plan for afterwards. Um, and then the second part, I think is just people don't establish good enough goals. Um, wanting to lose 10 pounds to me is not a goal is not, is not a, a reason enough for you to do it for the right reasons. Um, I think if you think about how you're going to, um, what your meds are going to look like after you, after you lose weight, how you're going to feel in your clothing, are you going to feel sexier for your partner? Are you going to feel more like an inspiration to your child? That's more of a goal for me and something that will make you adhere longer to this process of accomplishing that goal. Um, so I would like to see people just dig a little bit deeper and find a, a more meaning behind why they are trying to do something, why they are going to the gym, why they are entered, why they want to attack their nutrition. I love that idea of not setting a number as a goal. Um, but what are the questions you could ask yourself to try to define what a goal could be? Is it, I want to feel like this? I want to be able to do fill in the blank? Yeah. What's life going to look like on the other side of that, right? Like, how are you going to feel when you look in your closet? How are you going to feel when you um, show up with a group of friends? You know, like, how are you going to feel when your partner holds your hand or, you know, like when, it, like, what does life look like on the other end of that superficial goal or that that kind of important but not very important goal because the time comes after the challenge or when times get hard you know like it's february and you're like oh man i've been doing this for six weeks but i am getting tired of this the time comes where the the goal has to be more important than the distraction or the goal has to mean more than oh well i wanted to lose 10 pounds i've lost eight that's good enough you know like it has to be something that keeps you going and something that matters more than just something that is is you know frivolous you got without, without obviously identifying people can you can you name out some recent goals of clients of things that you have helped them focus on so i have a lot of I deal with a lot of injuries, right? And so people wanting to, I, I deal with people wanting to do too much in the gym, honestly. <laughs> but um, 
But yeah, so if for me, it's kind of like, okay, so where do you want to be? What does life look like for you in the gym in 15 years, right? If you take your training back a little bit now, yes, it's, it's painful. It sucks. It's not fun. But if you do it now, but then you're capable of training when you're, you know, 60 and 70 and you can pick up your kids and you can toss a football with your eight-year-old grandson when you're 70 years old and you're not have to, you don't have to worry about being in pain. Like, what is that? going to look like, right? So then if taking two months off now or three months off now is the sacrifice you have to make in order to do that, then it's very, very worth it, right? Like, and so it might be painful in the beginning, but if you look at that goal and you're like, you can envision being able to travel and being able to, you know, go up and down stairs without being able to care for yourself and not having to worry about somebody else take care of you. Like that to me is worth the sacrifice of today. I hear a lot of people in the mountains will say, I want to ski with my grandkids. I want yes. to be skiing yes. at 85, which I love because you do, like you said, you've got to work backwards. How yes. do I stay fit for the next 25, 30 years to be able to achieve that kind of thing? Yeah. And what sets me up for success to do that? And I tell this a lot to some clients that come to me, you know, my cardio queens that are like, I just want to sweat. I need to sweat. I need to do a lot. And I'm like, okay, but you know, you know, 30 minutes on the step mill or, you know, that 30 minute boot camp class, is that setting you up for being able to ski when you're 70? Or would you be better served by doing some single leg stability work or doing some, you know, straight up strength work so that you're really building muscle and developing Mm -hmm. stability in those hips to get you to ski when you're 70, right? So then it's kind of like, yes, if that's the goal, where do we backtrack? And then day to day, what are my decisions in order to get me there? Are you eating enough to maintain your muscle mass in order to get you to be strong when you're 70? Or are you eating 800 calories a day, trying to be skinny, fitting into these cool, you know, cute little jeans, right? Like what's going to get you closer to that end goal day to day? I love that. Let's go back to the first part real quick, which was to have your plan. What have you found in your experience is the best way to lay out that plan? I'm a real visual person. I need my whiteboard. I I know. (laughs) Yeah. Can you, can you literally break it down to be that, that small of a part? Like, how do you make that plan? What tends to work nine times out of 10? Yeah. So I would start with the big, you know, the lofty goal, the big, the the end result, right. And then backtrack from there. So what do you have to do in the next five years? What do you have to do in the next year? What do you have to do in the next few months? What do you have to do in the next few days? What has to happen today? Um, Do you need to hire a coach? Do you need to figure out what your injuries are? Do you need to figure out what your meal plan is going to look like? And then what grocery shopping needs to happen, right? So start with the lofty goal and work back. Now, one of the biggest things I do think people don't do enough is revisit that goal, right? So monthly, your day-to-day might need to change according to what's happening in life or what's happening with your goal. Maybe your goal changes. So I think just setting a goal and sticking in and just setting it and forgetting it is not the not ideal as well. Like the day-to-day and those smaller steps that you're taking have to be revisited so that you either stay on track or if you're miserable in your pursuit of this particular goal, maybe you need to change your goal, you know? (laughs) So don't be married to what you thought was what you wanted, uh, okay? And don't be married to the process in order to get you there, right? Revisit it, sit down every couple of weeks, every few months and say, hey, am I trending toward this goal? Is it important enough to me? Maybe I'm. Maybe it's not. Do I need to set another goal or do I need to set another process, right? So revisit that goal, but definitely get it out of your head 
onto something that you can see and that you can actually pick apart and put a to-do list next to. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if you don't create a process, it's just a pipe dream, right? Dreams are just goals without a, without a plan, right? So um, yeah, you, there has to be a to-do list and a process to get you there. And you know what I love is that for people who can follow through on both of these things that you're saying in fitness, there is so much benefit that then extends into the other parts of your life. And I always hear people who meet those fitness goals say, I found I became a better partner. I became a better colleague. I became a better parent. Like there's a lot of um, habits or habits in all the different parts of your life. And there's so much positive that can come out in the other parts of your life. If you can meet some of these fitness goals. The carryover to keeping promises to yourself is just huge, right? So if you can prove to yourself that you are worthy of this goal, you, you are worthy of the time that you're carving out in order to accomplish this goal. If you can relay that to the loved ones and to the people in your life that, hey, I matter too, uh, the carryover is enormous, right? Like there's one of the business coaches that I know, she's actually local here in Sacramento, Brie Norberg. She always talks about acting like a CEO, right? And it's like, yes, you're managing your business here, but what does your life look like as well? You got to pull that into, they coincide, like the work, life, family, like it's all part of it. So if you don't like fixing one aspect has immediate carryover into other aspects. And for yeah. me, it's just, it's the promises and the the dedication and treating yourself with what you would expect to treat other people with, right? Like, it's like, that's how you treat other people. Treat yourself that way, okay? Yeah, so, so good, yeah. so good. Mm -hmm. What is a good way for people to keep up with you? these days? Um, Ty at tytraining.com. Uh, you can find all my resources on there. I'm really active on Instagram. I'm getting there on TikTok. I am trying. <laughs> it's super fun. It's like my playground over there on TikTok, but mostly through my website and Instagram. I am very active on Instagram. Hit me up in the DMs. If you have any questions or anything, I'm here as a resource, a free resource. I want to help, but you know, everybody, if there's coaches out there and everything, I always encourage people reach out. Like we are here to help, but we can't help if we don't know what the problem is. So you, you, you got to speak up, right? Like don't just linger in the background, ask questions. So step one, dress for success. Make sure you have the clothes, the shoes, everything that you have ready ahead of your exercise. Step two, have that plan. So you know where you're going. You need your roadmap. Step number three, I'm calling this one, get social. And I didn't have to go very far to get my expert for this one. Meteorologist Tamara Berg, who I work with on our K-Series Morning Show, got into CrossFit a few years ago. She'd been running a lot. We used to run together a lot. But she started getting into CrossFit. And I have loved watching her for the last few years, how dedicated she's gotten into it. And she's so consistent. She works out at noon almost every weekday. And one thing that she does nearly every day is she posts pictures from her workout. Why does she do it? Well, let's talk to her about that. Tamara, when did you start posting the almost daily pictures of whatever your CrossFit workout was? I think when I started to make bigger gains and bigger progress, um, it was great to just kind of see where you are in getting from point A to point C. For example, handstand walking. That's something I've wanted to uh, get to in CrossFit. And I'm almost there. And I feel like the days that I take the photos, it's like, okay, I'm up a little bit more vertical today and tomorrow maybe I'll use my hands and actually get going with this. And I also think that not only for myself as uh, seeing where I've come from with the movement and going forward with it, it's also a really good thing for coaches to look at if you're saying, hey, I'm stuck right here and I'd like to get to this point. 
That's a great point. And you and I are on TV, so we like performing. (laughs) (laughs) You probably do go a little bit straighter, a little bit more vertical when you know you're taking the picture of it. Right. Um, Did you feel though, when you first started doing it, is there a little bit of vulnerability though, in people watching you do that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And also like just asking people sometimes I'd be like, can you take a video of this? And you know, when you're asking someone on the day, (laughs) that's that's the part that would make me die inside, honestly. (laughs) Yes. You have to find other people. I'm always like praying someone else will just show up in class. I'm like, Hey, can you be my guinea pig today? Um, but yeah, you know, it does take a lot to kind of get the courage because I know that everything's not going to look good on any given day. And a lot of that's dependent on a lot of factors. Did I get enough sleep the night before? Didn't my kid wake me up? Is my kid sick? You know, all those types of things play into what, what you get to at the gym essentially. But I think for me, um, yeah, you are vulnerable when you're asking someone to take your photo or even just setting up the camera because people know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And some people might be critical and some people might be like total cheerleaders. And probably that's very age dependent, I would think. Because if you asked my teenager to do it, he'd be like, absolutely. Let me get you 14 angles. Yes. <laughs> it's very true. They're like, are we making a TikTok? Like, what are we doing yeah. today? <laughs> exactly. Um, Fly a drone over you or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So what did it do for you accountability wise? Because this whole episode is about the fact that most of us, when we start a fitness plan or a goal at the beginning of the year, by this time of year, beginning of February, eh, it's done. We have stopped doing it. We've lost interest. We've lost the motivation. What did you discover about the accountability of putting yourself out there on social media? You know what? I found it inspired more people than I thought it would. I mean, it was asking people, you know, not asking people, but I should say, it was giving people the idea that, wow, if she can work out every day and take a photo or video proof of it, I can get off my duff and off my couch and even just go for a walk. To me, my big thing is um, I love to motivate people, inspire people. And even if that means just getting off your couch to go outside for a five minute walk, I think movement is huge. And I think for me wanting to get some bigger movements within CrossFit, the videos and the pictures are very helpful but to the average person that just, you know, wants to get out and move, um, it's also helpful too. What about the accountability to yourself though, to actually go do the workout? Because you're a mom of a toddler, that is exhausting. Yeah. That is its own sport in its own, <laughs> you know, in its own right. way, in all the ways. And coming off of the shift that we work, it would be very easy to just go home and crawl into bed and like pull the kid in with you at <laughs> nap time. What does it do for your own accountability? Because people do know that you post those pictures almost every day. Yeah. You know, for my own accountability, it's, it's huge. Um, I think it also shows that, you know, I go to the gym with purpose every day. There's always a mission at hand. You're handed your mission. When you walk out the door, I don't have to do the brain work. Once I get there, the coaches have already sorted out the workout. They lead us through it. And then I take those photos to say, wow, I did this today. Maybe next week I'm going to look better at that same movement. Do you ever get detractors? Like do people, we have public pages um, yeah. and in our job, we get a lot, we get a lot of nasty grams. Um, which, <laughs> by the way, if you're one of the people who send a nasty gram, we laugh about those and we read them out loud to each other in the commercials. So this is true. That. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, but do you, do you get people who maybe aren't as, are critical or most people do you find in that environment on Instagram, are they pretty supportive of that? Shockingly, Deirdre, it's a lot of support. Like That's I, awesome. I'm blown. I'm blown away by um, the encouragement this gives people to get out and move. 
Um, I thought some people would say, oh, can you lift heavier, throw some more weight on that barbell or do this, or you've been doing it this long. Why can't you do that movement? And it's been mainly positive. That's awesome. And it's a great way for you to, to reach out to other people who are interested in something like CrossFit as well and ask them questions too. And they can check out your page and see what you're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about CrossFit too. That's the other reason why I like to do it. You know, some folks think, oh, that's backbreaking work. You're going to hurt yourself. You're not going to hurt yourself if, you, if you're led by a good coach, if you're in a good environment, a positive one, and you're doing things correctly. Awesome. Okay. So for anybody who's on the fence, should I post my workout that I have this goal? What would be your encouragement to them? I say, do it. You know, there's a slogan out there. Just do it. Um, I've heard do it. it because you never know who you're inspiring. Honestly, I thought this is goofy. I'm mainly doing it for my own accountability, but each person that I hear from and each positive email that I get, Deirdre, it just fuels me to want to do it more and to motivate more people. It works. Okay. I'll be looking for your picture right around one okay. o'clock. <laughs> it'll be there. <laughs> Perfect. And if people want to follow all these great pictures, what's a great way for everybody to keep in touch with you on social? Sunny T. Berg on Instagram and on Facebook, KCRA Tamara Berg. All right, let's recap again. Step one, dress for success. Step number two, have your plan. Step three, get social. Let people know what you're doing and let them be your cheerleader, cheer you on. Step four, turning to another former guest, and that is my sister. Now, the last time my sister, Siobhan Cradiville, was on, it was to talk about this article she had written as a legal blogger that went viral. And then you might remember this one. It was, gosh, at least last year, if not longer. Her mother-in-law had passed away and she and her husband had to clear an entire home of a lifetime of stuff. And the article basically was about the fact that all that stuff we hang on to thinking somebody's going to want it someday. Not only do people not want it, it's really not worth anything either. And it was a really interesting article and it really hit a nerve with a lot of people because it made them look at the stress we have from all our stuff in a different way. So anyway, flash forward this time around, Siobhan is on and she's talking about the power of a streak that she started right around the time she wrote that viral article. So this was the very beginning of the pandemic. Kids had been sent home. Workers had been sent home. It was very obvious kids were not going back to school. And my sister, like a lot of parents, had to escape. Here's what happened after she did this. So, Shimon, I think that if somebody said one of those crazy Fitzpatrick girls has an 1,100-day running streak going, probably their money would have been on me and they would have been wrong. That's right. It's you. It is me. How did that whole thing start? Yeah, it started March 23rd, 2020, which was the first day my kids did not go back to school at the start of the COVID pandemic. And I was just desperate to get 30 minutes to myself outside the house without the kids. And I thought, I, know, lo I love that your desperation started on day one of that whole mess. That was, that was day, <laughs> day one. <laughs> wow. You didn't even make it the full day being home with the family the whole time. No, that, that was the, the first day they did not go back to school and I didn't make it past 10 o'clock. Wow. Okay. So you <laughs> left and you're like, I just need 30 minutes, people. You left the house. And, and where, like, where did you go? How far did you go? And why was it a run? Okay. Well, ran in my neighborhood. Um, I, I am a runner, so it's my, my normal routine to run though. Not quite 
this long. Um, I have like a favorite route in my neighborhood that's exactly three miles that goes by not one, but two water fountains and a bathroom. Nice. And yes. Amenities. It has amenities. It has hills. It has flat stretches. And that just became my everyday routine was I'm going to get out and I'm going to run those three miles in my neighborhood. How many days when you started doing this, how many days before you were like, oh, today, not today, we got too much going on, whatever. Like, did you have, how many days did you go before you were like, I just don't think I can do it today? Um, Well, that was March. So I think by the time we hit July, July is pretty hot in Texas and the that's an understatement. It's like, it's <laughs> it is like the being, understatement. It's like walking on the sun and, and running in Texas in the summer, it's your body is working so hard to avoid heat stroke that it's almost counterproductive to be out there running and or it, dangerous. It's Some dangerous. I call it. It is dangerous. I would, I, I would call it dangerous as well. But still and, you, you went for a couple of months there of doing this three miles a day, 30, at least 30 minutes you went for a couple of months. At what point did you go, huh? That's kind of a long time. That's a long stretch to do anything consistently. Uh, I think once I hit the one month mark, I mean, that was the first time I had ever run every single day in a month. And I thought, well, if I made it a month, I can do another month. And what did you like about that month? Like, were there some positive things that were coming out of it? Um, yes. Um, the funny thing about running is it's not just about running. You have to set yourself up to run. And that means getting enough sleep the night before. It means staying hydrated and staying hydrated isn't drinking right before you run or right after you run. It's staying hydrated the whole day. Mm, so the habits uh, were starting to spill over into other parts of your life. They were to be able I, to do the run. It's interesting. Yeah some really good collateral habits. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, good way to look at it. So you make yes. it through a couple of months and, um, the people, what were the people around you saying, or were you telling people really? Cause I didn't know that you were streaking like this until you were well into it. Um, the only people I was really telling were my kids and my husband to make sure that this was a non-negotiable 30 minutes every single day this is what I'm going to do. And okay. you, you can't bother me while I'm on my run. You can't call me. You can't text me. Um, whatever your issue is, it's got to wait until I get back. Okay. So you get through a couple months, but then a couple of months turns into six months, turns into a year. At some point you realize you've got this like great streak going, but then there's kind of that part of anything like this where you go, where do I go with this? Like, how long do you do it? Because <laughs> life happens, bad things happen. And I know that they did because you had a couple accidents and sicknesses yeah. and all that kind of thing. How, what are some of those things that came up in the first year and how'd you get around those? My, my first big block was I fell while running and broke two of my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which sounds like a funny way to break fingers, but I just fell unfortunately on my hand and broke two fingers and had to wear a cast for six weeks. Um, and I can tell you running with a cast in Texas is very hard. 
<laughs> running with a cast period is, period is very hard, regardless of what state you happen to be in. Right. So why did you go out the next day? And was there a doctor who said, or even knew that you were doing this who maybe suggested taking a day off would be a good idea? Um, no, um, I asked the doctor and, um, my husband laughs at this, but, um, I tend to choose doctors that are runners. Oh yeah, I do too. Too. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I asked the question, well, can I still run? Um, they said, oh, you know, of course, like it's important to you just, you know, be careful and don't overdo it. Okay. So you just kind of kept going. And so what did you learn continuing the streak despite running with a cast and a couple of broken fingers? What did you get out of it that kept you on the street? Because I think a lot of people would be like, okay, that would be a great place to go ahead and take that break or make that end. I came to really look forward to that time where I was by myself and I could just dump everything I was worrying about out of my head and just focus in on just that run. Wow. It was okay. time, time for me. Do the math. How many days now have you done this? Okay. I, I, I did the math. It today was 1,040. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great because I am not the crazy runner in the family. Yes. I'm not. No matter I, what I've done. I am not that person anymore. I 1,040. 40, yes. And I am guessing 3,400 miles. <laughs> That's wild. Is it ever much more than three miles? Does it need to be? I mean, obviously, if you do a race, it will likely be more. But you don't feel the need that you have to do more than that. Three is good. Three, three is good. Um I do occasionally do races. I've done six half marathons during this time too. Um, and that's the longest I've run during the streak. Um, but to maintain the streak, I really can't push myself that hard because if I start pushing myself too hard, I risk getting injured and then I mm -hmm. can't continue the streak. Right. Um, three plus years is just, or about three years is really amazing. And that has clearly helped you cement a habit. Who is, this sounds weird, but who is streaking good for? Like, who would you recommend this to? Streaking is good for people who are very competitive and okay. like to always be compete. I, I like to compete against myself. I was just going to say it's yeah. competitive with yourself. For it's sure. competitive with, with, with myself. Um, and I'm also, I am, I'm a data nerd. I love numbers. Mm. I love um, I, as a lawyer, I keep track of my time and six, yeah, minute, you do <laughs> six minute increments. So I, you know, I tend to be really, um, detailed in how I plan out my day, like okay. what, what I'm doing, like each 15 minute block throughout the day and, you know, running definitely makes it onto my schedule every single day. I have one, I always have two times, one where I think it's going to happen. And then a backup if, if it doesn't happen during the first. Do you, so do you block. actually plan it into your schedule then for the week when you're planning on doing your run? Yes, you do. I when do. do you do that? Do you do that the week before? How do you, how early do you do this? Um, I do it on Sundays. I take okay. a look at what my work schedule is for the week and then how I can fit runs in around work calls and meetings. 
That's interesting. Um, that six minute increment just made me nervous because that's about how long we've been talking. And yeah. I just want to make sure I'm not getting billed <laughs> on that because this could get expensive. Um, I so I, I, it's interesting to find out who you think streaking would work for because at the turn of the year, I had this idea right around the time I saw you actually over the holidays mm -hmm. that I wanted to become more flexible this year and, and do yoga. So my idea was I would do yoga every single day inspired by the fact that you've been able to run every single day for three mm -hmm. years. And I made it about two weeks before life happened and it just mm -hmm. stopped. And I wasn't even doing that much, you know, each day. Why do you, why do you think I failed on that? Was it because it wasn't important enough to me or because of the planning? Cause I am not as much of a data nerd as you. Yes. Um, so why do you think for me, it didn't work? I think you need to be realistic about how much time you really do have in your schedule. And I'm not realistic, am I? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yep. You have to be realistic about how okay. much time you really have because 30 minutes might be fine for one person, but it might really be too long for somebody else. And, you know, I'm taking 30 minutes to run, meaning that that 30 minutes has to come out of something else. There's something else that I'm not doing because I'm running. So for me, I take a shorter lunch every day to make sure I'm able to get my work done and the run. And um, I tend to use little breaks of downtime that I have more productively. Like if I am stuck in the carpool line at school for 20 minutes, well, I keep my laptop in the car and I'm checking emails. Um, mm. I'm not, I'm not just sitting there scrolling on my phone. And so that's how you've been able to keep that streak going. Right. I have to be very mindful of what I am doing throughout the day. So I am making up what I should have been doing mm -hmm. <laughs> when I was running. <laughs> okay. That's, that's super helpful because that also leads right into how you can keep a habit, whether it's fitness or anything else going. What about, um, when I last saw you a couple of weeks ago, you had had a migraine that right. just like knocked you out, but clearly at some point in that day, you were able to still get your three miles in. How yeah. do you, even on a day where you really genuinely are sick or don't feel well, how do you then make it happen? Because that to me is also like one of those days where you go, this might be the day the streak ends, right? But you keep it going. How do you do that? Like to maintain not only the mental health part of all of this, but also the physical part too. So on the day where I had a bad migraine, um, took all of my medication, took a six hour nap and the run happened at 10 o'clock that night. Wow. Yes. So it got that close. Got that close. Okay. Um, if I do have just like a crazy day, I'll break it up into maybe like three 10 minute runs. Um, I work from home, so it's easier for me to step away from my desk and go run for 10 minutes and then come back and sit back down again. Um, I'm having a day like that today where I did 20 minutes this morning and those 10 minutes are going to happen tonight. Do you track this minutes. as well? Is there a tracker in your calendar or is it just at this point autopilot? You just know what's happened that day. It's, it's autopilot. I know it's going to happen, but I do keep track of it in nap. I love it. Yes. Okay. Last question, which I'm sure you're asked about all the time. When does the streak end? Will it end? Do you care if it ends? Well, this is how I would like it to end. I have set a goal for myself in the next two years. I want to do a big race. 
like a big city race like New York, Chicago, Berlin, London, or, and you're going to laugh at this one. I've always wanted to do the dopey challenge at Disney World where oh. you do. <laughs> I am laughing at that one. Yes. <laughs> because <laughs> considering everything you just named out, like which of these things does not belong? belong. <laughs> That's great. So the, the Dopey Challenge is over four days, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. Ooh. Six medals total, multiple t-shirts, great swag, <laughs> and you can do all the selfies with every single Disney character you want. So um, that's how I'm going to end my streak. I'm going to do a big race because if I'm training for a big race, I've got to build in days where I'm not running. Otherwise... I'm going to get injured and then it's not going to happen. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. Well, we'll keep me updated on that. I'm totally impressed that you've kept this going and it's so good for your health, mental and physical. So I think that's some really great advice. So before I let you go, um, maybe just, you know, your elevator pitch, if streaking is something to make a fitness habit stick, what would you advise people? I would say people are very impressed by running streaks. Um, If you are an average Joe and you want to do something that is going to impress 99% of the people you have conversations with, do a running streak. And it doesn't even have to be that long. No, It could be, I have period run period every day for 10 straight days. People will be impressed because it's a conversation starter for sure. It is a great conversation starter could be a conversation ender with some people too, who find it just to be too much, but if it works for you, that's all that matters. Hey, thank you so much. This is really great. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Back to your lawyering. And there you have it. Those are your four ways to keep your fitness going into 2023. Quick recap. Step number one, dress for success. Have all your clothes, your shoes, your hat, all the stuff you need to do that workout and to not have excuses to not work out. Have that ready. Have it ready ahead of time, and you're much more likely to get that workout done. Step two, have your plan. Know where it is that you want to go. Would you just get out in the car and just randomly start driving to see where you might end up? Maybe. That's fun until it isn't or you run out of gas. Have your plan, your destination in mind so that you know what you're working toward. Step number three, get social. Find some people who will cheer you on. We all need cheerleaders, and there is no reason why you have to do this alone. So either share it on social media or maybe just find a fitness accountability buddy and text each other. Let people know what you're doing and let them be your cheerleader. And then step number four, maybe start a streak. Now, do I think it needs to be as extreme as my sister's? Uh Uh-uh. But maybe a one-week streak is where you start, and then you see what happens next. Major, major thanks to editor Brian Lau, who I think is getting all of his cardio in by editing this episode. This one's a beast. Way more work than he normally has to do. So thanks so much. I appreciate everything that you did to make this happen. This week's What I'm Listening To will also give you a little serious fitspo. I am encouraging you to check out a podcast called Allie on the Run. I like this one a lot. Allie is a blogger turned podcast host, and she's actually one of the top running podcast hosts in the world. She has millions of downloads on this show. She features interviews with runners who are everything from Olympians to celebrities. She had a Peloton instructor on recently, never met Allie, 
but I do love her show. I love her energy. And if running is something that interests you, it's a great way to fall in love with the sport by hearing some names that maybe you'll recognize talk about what got them into it. There is a link in the show notes that you can also check out. Thanks so much for listening this week. And I thank you in advance. If you have a friend who you know is struggling with getting out there and exercising and trying to stay true to a fitness goal, this is a great show to share with them. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts right now, which apparently, looking at the stats, most of you are, look at the top right-hand corner of your screen, and you should see three little dots. If you hit those dots, there is a share option, and you can text that show to a friend, which I think is the fastest way to share a podcast. Not only will your friend thank you, I will thank you (laughs) because it's also the fastest way to grow a show. And if you feel inspired and you could leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to us right now, that would be amazing as well. Good luck on your fitness goals next week as we continue our series on health and wellness. We're talking about water. Have you seen those giant water bottles that everybody seems to have everywhere? They're all over my office. So we're doing a deep dive or deep swig into water intake. How much water do you really need to be drinking and what are the best ways to increase your water intake? because that is one of the goals a lot of people seem to have set as they try to get their health and fitness back on track for 2023. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Dying Task Podcast.